Hey guys, before we get into the episode, it blows my mind that we're launching another podcast. And this time, I actually want to feature you guys as a guest. Now, if you're a six-figure entrepreneur who has your own podcast and you listen to the show, I actually want to interview you on our brand new podcast, which is called Six Figure Podcast Rebels. You just need to go to www.top100interview.com and you can apply to get featured. All right, guys, back to the show. If I'd have just owned it and I've been like, guys, I'm doing this. I'm going all in on my fitness content because I want to help change people's lives. I never would have felt paranoid because I would have had the message out there in the world and I would have been so focused on sharing stuff that's going to really help people that I would have had nothing to be insecure about. Have you ever looked at yourself in the mirror and thought, wow, I really thought I'd be further ahead by now. If so, you are not alone. I've spent the last two years traveling the globe looking for the answers. The problem is, it's fear of failure that was holding me and so many of you back. I realized that no one was telling the real story of entrepreneurship. So I flew to the US, decided to face my fear and go all out to build my million dollar business completely from scratch. But the real question is, how will I do it? Join me on my journey and find out as we build our online tribe and share the internet's top marketing secrets. My name is Jamie Atkinson, and this is the Entrepreneur Junkie Movement. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Entrepreneur Junkie Movement podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Atkinson, the podcast junkie, and you guys know how I like to bring you interesting guests. And my guest today kind of drifted into my field of vision across Instagram. Uh, We've talked a bunch on the phone. She's a fellow Brit, which is always very exciting. And the reason I wanted to bring her on the show was to give you guys a different perspective. A lot of us, we talk about understanding failure and understanding how to move forward. And my guest today is focused not just on having success, but having success with impact behind it as well. She's the creator of Impact School. She focuses on helping people create online courses and become online coaches. And even just in the last couple of weekends, she had an absolutely stratospheric Black Friday sale doing nearly $50,000 in a single weekend. And we know she's going on to great things and she'll be picking up a two-comma club in the not-too-distant future. (laughs) Please welcome my guest today, Lauren Tickner. Lauren, what's going on? Jamie, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's super cool to be here and it's really nice to hear a British accent. I feel like the Brits let the side down when it comes to online marketing. So yeah, it's, it's good to be here. And um, I know that you're not actually in the country, but hey, I don't blame you because it is tipping it down with rain. <laughs> yeah, I'm rarely in the country. And it's not like I had to like escape with some kind of like <laughs> flee the country situation, but we travel a lot. And I know that you get around quite a bit in your, tra- in your travels. Okay, Jamie, and- you can't say that. You know, you can't say things like you get around quite a bit. That, that makes me sound like some kind of, kind of, you know. <laughs> Yeah, well, the Americans in the audience might not even know what that means. So we'll, we'll yep. leave it there. We'll and, leave uh, it there. <laughs> absolutely. So Lauren, tell us a little bit about you because um, from the outside looking in, you know, we see you on Instagram, we see you in all these beautiful places, you know, hanging out with people like Grant Cardone in your pictures. And clearly you've had a lot of success, but just give us a little 30 second glimpse into what it's like for you just a day in a life. <laughs> yeah. It's hilarious, isn't it? When you put it like that, it's like, okay, well, my life is so glamorous. Every day I wake up just before five and then I go straight to the gym and then I come back and work on my laptop all day. And in between that, I get to talk to cool people like you. But from the outside, people see those crazy like 
oh yeah, Grant Cardone came on my podcast and oh yeah, like you're always traveling the world. But at the same time, it isn't always that way. And I do like to make that super clear for people because you get to choose what you do every day. But despite the fact that I could lay in bed until 11 and I could suddenly decide to go to the airport and go to the Caribbean and just do whatever the hell I wanted because I have that freedom both in time, both in finances and all that. I don't choose to because I love what I do and I love my simple routine and it's just so rewarding and so fulfilling to me. So a typical day in the life is exactly how I said and then at around four o'clock every day I go for a walk and then that is <laughs> that is that. That's pretty cool. And, and it's really interesting because I remember I originally started this podcast because I was feeling a real sense of overwhelm in that I was kind of living this false online life. You know, I was on Instagram. Um, I fell down the trap of kind of having this experience of being like, oh, I'm having a successful business, told everybody about it. And then it went in the toilet. And I felt like I was kind of living this false life on Instagram. And people can see that, right? They see what mm. goes on the kind of computer and on your phone and don't realize that the reality of an entrepreneur can be quite different. What was it? What <laughs> okay, was the... let's, just, let's just quickly emphasize that for a second because I don't know if you're going to show the many people are going to be watching the video of this. Who knows? But like, if you guys could see me right now, I am wearing a fluffy, like five-year-old top, right? That my mom got me years ago. And then I'm wearing like tracksuit bottoms. I'm standing in my office with like this random microphone in my hand that was like under 20 pounds or something. And like, okay, maybe I don't know how much it was, but <laughs> it's irrelevant. It's just, it is so funny. The, it's not super the, glamorous the when you put it like that, right? It's like a, yeah, a bit of a yeah, contrast. Exactly. But at the same time, I would not change it for the world. And I just, for me rather than creating a glamorous lifestyle for myself, it's just creating freedom to be able to do what I want. Like if I wanted to have some crazy studio for my podcast and sit there and record, it's like, yeah, I could. But like, why would I want to do that when I can just be snuggly in my office at home? <laughs> I mean, there's something to be said for that, right? We encourage people to kind of take action and just get out there. But people get stuck in this mode where they feel like everything has to be perfect. I mean, my podcast has been from every kind of situation, from being propped up in the corner of a, you know, a, a cafe in Korea <laughs> with like Korean people like speaking all around me to like situations like right now. What do you think stops people from wanting to just dive in and, and striving for that perfection it literally is that they think that they have to be as good as someone we already mentioned him so we might as well as, as grant cardone right like when i interviewed elena i went there and i recorded it in that studio i'm not gonna lie like that's the most nervous i've ever been for a podcast and i was kind of like, like afraid going on live tv right it's yeah, like yeah, proper it, it, it genuinely was yeah i've never really put two and two together like that but yes it was and so for me, that was high pressure. And honestly, it meant that I couldn't perform as best as I wanted to. And so with that said, I think what people stops people is they think they have to be at that level. And thinking that they have to be at that level means that they just don't get started. But here's the truth, right? In order to put some content out or in order to make an online course about something or coaching, you just need to be two steps ahead of the person who you're going to be helping. Okay. So put it this way. Let's say you are in sixth grade in high school or whatever. I don't know if it's American terms, but I'll just use it. So let's say you're in sixth grade, right? And you just passed your maths exam, but you didn't do anything. You didn't do well. You got a C, which meant that you passed. Now, 
if there's someone in fifth grade who currently is getting a D and is going to fail or is like getting an F, well, you just passed and you can help the person that's failing. It's super simple when you look at it like that. You just need to be a couple steps ahead of them to allow them to get to the level where they need to be. And so we overcomplicate things massively. It's like saying, oh my gosh, well, I don't have a nine-figure business, so I can't help people build their own business. But if you've created a six-figure business, then you know how to create a six-figure business, right? So you can show other people how to do that. And so I think that's a really simple way of looking at it. But I think the over analyzing of is this good enough is this going to be okay that's what holds people back honestly and it does nothing for you because it just causes you to think and spend time pondering and the time which you're spending pondering is time that you could be actually out there doing it and learning from your mistakes getting feedback from the market and the numbers because at the end of the day that's all that really matters (laughs) so if people are getting stuck in that phase right because there's a lot of people that are second guessing that are getting hung up on what if, right? Like, what if it's mm. not going to work? What if people don't like it? Um, I'm seeing it a lot on TikTok right now. People are saying like, well, what if the content I put out, nobody likes, right? What do you do to help people get through that and get past that mental barrier? Because it's not so much the physical act. It's almost the, the mental block that kind of stops people, right? Yeah, totally. I think mindset is everything. Like, to make a video and put it on TikTok, you just, you grab your phone and you talk for 10 seconds and you're good. But it's just a case of realizing if it fails, the only thing that's going to happen is you're going to end up where you're at right now. So you're already in the situation you don't want to be in. So it can't really get any worse, right? Maybe you get laughed at, but at the end of the day, you never lose, you learn. And so if you do get laughed at, then you'll build up more resilience and toughness to then in the future, not get as embarrassed about something moving forward. And so, yeah, I mean, I think if you're afraid of something going wrong, the only thing you're going to lose is, well, it depends if you're putting money into it or whatever, but at the same time, just make sure that you take a lesson from it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's plenty of lessons to be had. I mean, just this week, for example, I took a massive L, hired a company to do um, advertising for us and it, it bombed. You know, it didn't mm. work out and Been that costs money, that costs times. time and right. Like, and you, and you can beat yourself up or you can just take what you learn from it, you know, write down what you're going to do differently and mentally make a mind shift and then, you know, jump straight back on the horse again. Mm. Uh, and that's all yeah. it takes sometimes. Right. Yeah. I think it's just as well. I, I just think that people are their own worst enemy in the sense that, there really is nothing stopping them. Mm -hmm. Like I know, for example, for me, when I first started posting content, I was 16 years old and this was before content was a thing. (laughs) I'm I'm kidding. Obviously content's always been a thing, but what I'm saying is like, no one was building a personal brand. I didn't even know what a personal brand was then. And uh, nowadays everyone posts fitness stuff on social. But back when I was starting, I literally started posting fitness content to connect with other women who were into lifting weights. Cause there was no one in my, in England that lifted weights, not even in America were women into lifting weights then. And so I started posting onto social media and I was terrified that my friends were going to find me. So I kept it as a secret account. And so because I kept it as a secret account, I always felt really guilty and I always felt really sneaky. Like I was doing things on the sly and I just felt like I always had this like weight on my shoulders, you know? And then 
somehow the guys from my year found it and they they just I don't know how the hell they found it because I had no photos of my face if I ever did a progress picture of my body it would always have my head chopped off and I, I honestly to this day I don't know how the bloody hell they figured out it was me but hey hats off to them and so then they actually were all at um a, a sort of gathering together and they were drinking so the guys from my year in school posted on instagram a photo right and the photo which they posted was essentially mocking me massively so one guy was standing and the, with his shirt off and the other guy was standing with with a, the flashlight on his phone shining on the guy with his tops off shining it on his chest and he was essentially saying, thank you, Lauren, for my 90-day fitness meal plan. Essentially, really just mocking me. And so, look, looking back, like, I, if I saw that now, I'd find it funny. But being a 16-year-old who's insecure, who is the only one out of anyone they know who's posting anything to do with their personal life on social media that isn't them at a party going out drinking, right? It was really, it really hit me. And so the worst thing that could have possibly happened to me at that stage happened to me. And look, when I to share this story now, it doesn't sound bad. But you I mean, know to feeling? me, it does. I mean, it sounds really tough because there's going to be people like, you know, and it's, and it's different when you're maybe 16 and younger, right? You're a lot more vulnerable in that situation. Mm. But I draw the parallels to, you know, people who are mm. entrepreneurs and people who are going through that right now. It's the equivalent of, you know, their boss and their friends and their family just absolutely ridiculing them online. And that's a really yeah. tough spot to be in, right? 100%. And so essentially what happened was, <laughs> I don't know if you have ever kind of done something that's bad, right? And like, it's like, no one needs to know. It's like a secret. That's why I had and to then... leave the country. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then everyone finds out. You feel like you've been engulfed by a black hole right? Like that type of feeling. It's only the type of feeling I can imagine if like your parents walk in on you having sex. Like, <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, that's not, a, that's not a good feeling. No, even worse when they post about it on Instagram afterwards. Oh no, my gosh. Yeah. Tell me. Right. So it was like that feeling. And then I'd go into, I would go into school and they'd all be in a circle. And even if they weren't talking about me, I was paranoid. It's like, I was reading this book by Freud the other day, you know, the psycho thingy mm -hmm. guy. <laughs> God, I sound smart, don't I? But anyway, I was reading a book by him and he was talking about paranoia. And I just suddenly was like, oh my gosh, since that day that they all found my Instagram, I've actually become quite a paranoid person, mm -hmm. right? And like, I began to realize, this exact moment has made me paranoid in a lot of areas in my life. Now, I'd say in the past six months, I've got better, but I used to be paranoid up until probably six months ago where I'd be like, oh my God, what are my competitors doing? How are they doing this? How can I do it better? And it was all stemming from that moment where the guys found my Instagram and they started ridiculing me because I would go into school and yeah, I'd be freaking out that they were all talking about me. Even if they weren't, I'd just be freaking out about it. And so it's just crazy how much of an effect that can have on you. But guess what? If I'd have just owned it and I've been like, guys, I'm doing this. I'm going all in on my fitness content because I want to help change people's lives. I never would have felt paranoid because I would have had the message out there in the world. And I would have been so focused on sharing stuff that's going to really help people that I would have had nothing to be insecure about because I was doing it. For me, I knew my reason why. 
And it was simply to be helping people. Like it, like it. I want to change up gears slightly, Lauren, and um, yeah. talk a little bit about what you're doing now compared mm. to kind of what you were doing before. Because now, um, you know, before you were doing fitness and you were a coach in that arena, and then yeah. you've made this trend kind of, what's the word? Uh, I was going to say transaction, but shift is fine, right? You've shifted <laughs> to the online world of coaches and consultants and really helping people and your whole kind of ethos now is around impact. Your brand is mm. impact school, right? Yeah. So what, what, what was it that made you want to shift in that direction? And why do you think it's so important for people to be creating courses and more specifically, you know, higher ticket coaching? Yeah, it's a great question because I think the thing that made me shift was actually sort of external. So what started happening was I would get invited to speak at all these fitness conferences, right? And like, in the fitness industry, just for some context, I was really well known for evidence-based training and nutrition to help women become stronger physically and mentally. So I made this hashtag years ago and the hashtag is strength feed. And now there's like almost 200,000 posts on it, which is pretty cool. Right. But that was like my brand. And so I was, yeah, I was always known for, for, for like really just proper information. None of that, you know, do all these butt kickback things and all that garbage and like you have to eat keto otherwise you're gonna die or whatever like mine was just like a very balanced like realistic approach. like real yeah exactly and so when I was going and speaking at conferences they would ask me to speak about fitness yeah but then for the most part like they were always asking me to speak about how did you build a brand how did you build a business how did you actually create such a community and so it was interesting to me because after the event was up, I wouldn't necessarily have people come up and ask me like, hey, Lauren, is it okay to eat carbs? Because they already knew that I, what my thoughts were because they were so simple and they got people results so easily, right? And so, I, yeah, all these conferences, like after I would speak, they would come up and ask me like, hey, Lauren, I'm a personal trainer, but I really want to build an online business. Like, what, what should I do first? Or they'd say like, hey, Lauren, how do I differentiate myself in my market? And I was kind of like, this is really interesting because my friends after these conferences would just be like, oh, today was so boring. I hate it so much. Why do people keep asking me if it's okay to eat carbs? And then I was like, huh, that's so strange. Like I just noticed my audience was different and they so were really, more- really, really quickly on that, Lauren, yeah. I find it really interesting because you- it's kind of like the audience you're speaking to, right? You're speaking to people mm. who are business owners who are already established in nutrition and fitness who yeah. want to hear about the business side. Was yeah. there any part of you that, that started to say, you know what, I would rather serve these people. Like these are more my people than say the people who'd been in the fitness space that you've been serving with your coaching to that day. Oh, that's such a good question. Wow. I've never thought about that before. Hmm. I think that essentially what happened was I created a podcast in the midst of all this called Business Meets Fitness, where I was talking about both business and fitness, right? And it was never that I ever imagined myself helping people build a fitness business. It's just that I wanted to document my journey building a business in the As fitness you were industry. It. Yeah. And then it just kind of all came together. At this one point, I dropped out of university because I was studying business, right? <laughs> I was supposedly the UK's number one business degree, but they taught me nothing actionable or implementable. And it was all a load of garbage. So I dropped out. 
And then as soon as I dropped out a month later, me and my friend who was a fitness influencer, right? Big following. We went to America together. And as we were traveling, I was so busy the whole time. I was like, hey, wake up, gym, get some work done. Then we have fun. But the whole time she was always like, Lauren, let's go do something. Like trying to drag me out the whole time when I had stuff to do. And I was just like, what are you doing the whole time? Like, how do you make money? And she said, I rely on brand deals. And I was like, okay, like, let's talk about this. So I found out she was making about four grand a month. And she has a big following, by the way. I was pretty shocked by this. So probably that's the equivalent of like five and a half, six K dollars. And so it's decent-ish, you know, compared to the average, but for her following, it was really just not much. And so then I thought to myself, okay, well, if she was to launch online coaching, she'd crush it. So I helped her while we were there. She launched it. She did crush it. And I was like, this is interesting. I'm sure there's other people out there who are everyday personal trainers who don't have a following who also would love to do this. So at first I, I decided I wanted to help people build a personal brand. And then I just realized, you know what, like the reason why these people who want to build a personal brand are coming to me is because they want to do online coaching. And so that was how I really started helping people when it came to online coaching. And then I realized that what I did wasn't just online coaching. It was a blend between online coaching and consulting and an online course. So that was when I sort of, you know, how everyone always says, you know, have your own unique methodology. I already had my own unique methodology, but I just never really put a word on it. So then this fusion of the online course plus the coaching plus the consulting is now what we call the impact offer because the course is the point A to B, right? You need to be creating a transformation in people's lives, whether it's in their life, whether it's in their business, whether it's in their body, whether it's in their mind, like whatever. Okay. As long as you can create a transformation in someone's life then you're going to be able to build an online business that helps people. So the online course is really what takes them from A to B. This is what we do. This is just what we do. You know, I think it works super well. Everyone has different opinions, but for me and my clients, this crushes it. So it's like, okay, the A to B. And then the coaching is guiding them along that A to B. Okay. So it's taking them step by step, making sure that they're staying on track and then typically what happens is everyone has their own unique circumstance, right? Everyone has these things and problems that happen along the way, or they have these hiccups and these roadblocks. And that's where consulting comes into play. So in whatever industry and whatever niche you're in, I think personally, you need a blend of all three. Because nowadays, if you're just doing the coaching, which people still seem to think it's fine to just market, oh yeah, we're going to do a Zoom call once a week. Like, <laughs> no, you need to actually have a clear A to B path. And even if that's different for every client, you still want to have that online course element because then you have the consulting, which allows for the personal personalized recommendations and the personalized help. And so this is such a scalable way to build an online business. And it's what I realized that I was doing in fitness coaching, but I just never put a name to it. And I think it's what allowed me to do high ticket fitness coaching, even back before I had a following. Like I didn't even realize I was doing it, but it's cause it got people results. And so back to your question, when did I realize that this was gonna be something that I wanted to do to help people with? It was really because of this girl who I went to America with when I realized like, she had no business and it would have just been so simple for her to just plug and play. She plug and play. And then now she, then she was crushing it. She's doing something different now. Um, I don't actually speak to her anymore, but it's just, it was just crazy to see. Yeah. Why do you feel that 
most people miss the mark when they're trying to understand this. So when they're putting their offer together and people are sometimes going for, you know, ultra low ticket, ultra high ticket, there's a whole variety and multitude of different options. And people will tell you that their way is the best and other ways. Why do you feel like most people miss the mark when it comes to actually delivering a quality product? Well, when it's the first time round, they create everything and then they sell it. It's like, no, sell it and then create it because it's not a validated idea until you have money in the bank. <laughs> That's another thing. People think that people want it. Like people think that it's sold because someone says that they'd buy it. Like, no, the money has to be in your bank account <laughs> with no chargebacks. <laughs> Why is um, that so important? Because a lot of people get stuck on this and I'm curious to know what you think. Well, let me tell you a story. So when I was in university, uh, must have been 19 years old, I was like, okay, cool. I'm in uni. People are coming to me for fitness tips. Everyone knows me for being a fitness person. I am going to create a program called University Meets Fitness, right? Because my fitness podcast is called Business Meets Fitness. So I was like, okay. And I just launched that two days ago, by the way, again, like relaunched it. I started making, <laughs> I made another episode. So I'm kind of excited about that. It's going to be like, um, it's going to be fitness for entrepreneurs. Cause I was like, there's so much garbage out there. So, um, anyway, side note. So I was at uni and I, yeah, I create this entire map. I've still got the Google drive on my laptop, on my Google drive. <laughs> it's so funny. I only found it a couple of weeks back and it is literally this detailed step-by-step breakdown of how I'm going to help these people go through university, like an entire year of university and go through and learn how to drink alcohol and stay fit and reach their goals and get abs and all this stuff. And I remember spending seven months making that while I was in uni because I was going to launch it for the next uni. Yeah. Never sold it. Then I, I opened up applications fine. I get like hundreds of apps, fine, whatever, done. And then it gets around to when I actually like jump on sales calls with people, none, not a single sale. Cause I was trying to sell something high ticket to an audience who didn't have the money for it or who valued their money. Like they wanted to put their money towards alcohol rather than fitness. And so it was just like a really stupid move, but that was seven months that I wasn't making as much as I could have or changing as many lives as I could have because I didn't just launch it like i should have instead just said okay cool so this is i should have literally made a one-page google doc saying i am gonna help you go through university balance fitness and live and clubbing or whatever the hell it was and uh here's the outcome that you're gonna get through doing this program and if you're interested like let's hop on a call and we can see if it's a good fit and then if it if i got on the call with them and it did sound like a good fit i would have enrolled them And I would have had them pay me on the phone using Stripe where I would have had them read out their credit card details on the phone. So I would have taken the money on the phone. And then if I'd have made five sales, I would have been good. I would have been like, cool, let's, let's roll with this. And, um, (laughs) yeah, that is what I should have done. But instead I was like, no, I'm just going to create this whole thing because it's really easy to be in flow of content creation. Like people like us and people who are listening to this, like we can just create, 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 because we are entrepreneurs. Like that's what we do. But when it all comes like for me, oh my God, what's the easiest thing for me to do in the world is sit on Google docs and just type my ideas and type my strategies and type my methods all day long. I could do that. And then 
(laughs) that's the easy part. And I think that's why people get so hung up on it. But there's always an opportunity cost, right? The opportunity cost is either spent, if it's just you doing it before you have a team, there's either fulfillment or there's sales that you can't spend time on both. And so if you're creating a program, you're not selling it. And if you're selling it, you're not creating it. And so it's like, you need to have a dance between the two, but at the beginning stages, what you've got to be doing is making offers and making sales. <laughs> yeah. It's really interesting is it, it, a mentor of mine um, who I listen to a lot said that in his business, he almost has two different hats he wears. He has the entrepreneur hat that sells and then he has the CEO hat that fulfills. And it's these two separate compartments where, you know, some days he has to be generating the cash. Then other days he's got to be going and fixing the problems and building systems. And what, what I'm really interested here as well about Lauren is that what you've been able to create inside of Impact School is um, kind of a framework and a, and a strategy and support that people need to go out there and actually start selling these programs, right? There's a lot of people that will teach you how to create programs, but there's not a lot of people who focus on money in the bank first and then figuring out the next step after that. And because of it, you've been able to create a whole ton of like amazing testimonials and real social proof of what you've been able to put out there. But there are going to be some people who have that hesitation in their mind. They maybe haven't launched something or they've launched something and it hasn't gone super well. So if you were to break down maybe the top three things that they should be spending their time on right now, between creating content, going out there and doing whatever it is, what would be those top three things if you were in that position that you'd be telling them to do as a coach? Absolutely. So I think the first thing that you need to do is have a good amount of videos which demonstrate that you know what you're talking about in your area so just like actionable videos which have subtitles on that people can just quickly and easily watch just load your social media out with them you can find people on fiverr or upwork to edit these videos now people way overcomplicate it but it can just be a selfie video of you talking sharing a really quick tip for like 20 seconds <laughs> something is so simple um and so yeah people overcomplicate that um so make sure that yeah you have some quality content posted Next and real thing, quick Lauren, I'm, yeah, if you were yeah. gonna put that videos in anywhere in particular right now where LinkedIn. would you suggest people put their energy into, into LinkedIn? linkedin for me i would say so yeah but again like it really depends on who your ideal client is like if your ideal client is a mom that doesn't work she's not gonna be on linkedin but if she and and if she's a mom that that doesn't doesn't work she's gonna be in facebook groups she'd be in like Cobham moms, Cobham scenario here. She'd be in like New York moms, <laughs> like the Facebook group for that. They all have these groups, these moms. Wouldn't New York moms be a really interesting mix of people? Can you imagine them all piling together into a Facebook group? Oh yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. There probably is a group. So <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying that I think it's just about being where your audience is at. And again, like I, I did say videos just because I do think video content is just ever growing. But if you're someone who likes to write long form posts, like go for it, just post them on the right platform for, for that post. Um, don't spend ages thinking about it. Just test a few different platforms and go with the one that you get the best results on. People overcomplicate that too, I'd say. Um, so like, that's the first thing you want to just make sure that your profiles are optimized to ensure that you look like a credible person. And then after that, message people. Do outreach. Don't do the cringy outreach that you get and people connect with you on LinkedIn. <laughs> do messages that say like, hey, um, hey, I saw your post with your mom. Congratulations. I don't know, just like compliment them or something. And then just like comment on 
here's an, let, let me illustrate this with an, as an let me illustrate this with an example to make it clearer so let's say like i stumble across you jamie on instagram and like let me just oh, i don't even have my phone on me but what does it say in your instagram bio it probably says something along the lines of the fact that you're an entrepreneur right or like you coach yeah, people you got it Okay. So I'm on Instagram right now and I go on Jamie's page and I say like, Oh wow, he's an ideal client for me. So I spam him with likes and then I would maybe reply to his Instagram story, which is him swimming in Spain <laughs> in the sea. So I can just say like, it, Oh wow. It is Jamie, December. How long- Not super warm, but we can try. <laughs> So I'd be like, oh, wow, Jamie, how long? Uh, or like, oh, oh, wow, Jamie, are you there for business or for vacation? Right? So just a simple message like that. And then what I do is I'd probably then go in the messages and then I'd say, oh, by the way, just seeing your Instagram bio, I noticed that you're an entrepreneur. Do you do online coaching? Right? And I just start the conversation. Every single message you send has to contain a question. That's fundamental. So let's think of another example. Let's just say you're a fat loss coach, Right? Like if you're a fat loss coach, you can see from people's photos if they need to lose weight. So you can just message them based on that. Like if you are a relationship coach, go on the hashtag divorced dad or single dad or single mom. It's just like, think about what is your ideal client using and then go to that source and then message these people. And then when you're messaging them, um, <laughs> we, I know you said like, we help people make sales and stuff. So there's this thing that like we do called the money making messaging method. So I'll give you a brief overview now. So the money making messaging method is essentially <laughs> a <tongue laughs> it's <twister>. the way, <laughs> yeah, but it's the way, it is literally a way of making money in the DMs. It's conversational marketing, right? With the outcome being get on a phone call. Now, the reason why it's a phone call is because typically I teach high ticket, but like at the end of the day, if you wanted to do it for something low ticket, you could. I don't know if it would be as effective. I can't comment because I've only made a few low ticket sales, like sales for like 1000 for it, just because I don't try push my low ticket or mid ticket. So essentially, first of all, you start off with asking people's goals, right? Once you've got to the bottom of their deep, deep, deep goals, you go into struggles. Okay, so what you're struggling with when you're trying to get to that goal. After that, then basically what you need to do is you essentially need to clarify and verify. So it's like, okay, cool. So you're trying to do this. Is that right? Like, and you're struggling with this. Is that correct? Whatever. And then after that, you want to temp check them. So like on a scale of one to 10, how bad you want this, right? And then once they say 10, then you need to obviously make sure they actually are a 10 so challenge them. And then from there, it's like invite them on a phone call or make the offer, whatever one you want to do. Right. And so through doing that, <laughs> through messaging people, it is an absolute game changer. So that's what I would spend 80% of my time doing if I was just starting out right now. Maybe so let me just, yeah, let me just clarify that. So the first thing is to go and make yourself clarify look credible. <laughs> gotcha. Make yourself look yeah credible, put videos on your profile, make sure they're easy to consume with subtitles, optimize all your profile, and then go and outreach, ask people questions, and go through that process that you just explained about where are their goals, mm. what are their struggles, clarify, verify, and then get them to that end goal. And it's really interesting yeah. because what you talk about is essentially figuring out who your dream customer is, making yourself look like a credible person, and then making them an offer. 
exactly it's really yeah. really not complicated right it's super cool. it's super simple yeah i mean i think just everyone overcomplicates everything and i know this because i'm that type of person and the thing is people like us we overcomplicate things because we're intelligent right and i'm not saying that to be cocky or anything but it's just true I'm entrepreneurs do listening. think differently right they're yeah, the people we think that will go out there and do it different we think way differently and we do overcomplicate a lot because we have so much going on up there. You know, whether it's because you're super intelligent or whether it's just because you're a bit ADHD or a blend of the both, like we overcomplicate everything, which is why just stripping it back and simplifying things is going to be the best thing for you, especially when you're starting. Look, as you're scaling, I don't spend my time doing this anymore, like at all, because I have inbound and you have ads and things like that. Well, Facebook didn't hate me, but Luckily, I have some YouTube ads running, but um, at the end of the day, like, you know, you do it yourself at the beginning, then you hire people to do it for you. Mm -hmm. Simple. I like it. What, what's the thing that you love doing the most in your business right now? What's your favorite thing to do? Right now? Hmm. Honestly, coaching my team. I find it so fun. I used to hate doing it, which is why it's kind of weird, but... I used to love like just sitting on my laptop all day, just like by myself, just creating content. Right. And then I always hated the idea of like, Oh, having to be on a call at this particular time and never, but I've actually started to really love it. And it just is super cool to be able to set the agenda of what we're going to be working on. Like what's the goals and what are the plans? And then just like delegating things to my team or just like, leading them in that way. I never thought I'd be the type of person who would enjoy that, but I absolutely love it. And it's really cool to see my team all buy into the vision. Um, so for me right now, that's what I'm enjoying. I go through phases of loving making content and hating it. I'm in a phase right now where like, I'm not in the mood to be making content other than podcasts. Cause I just like, Oh, it's just the weather. It's winter. <laughs> yeah. When the weather sucks, I'm just like, mm. But in my business right now, yeah, for me, high ticket. I just did that low ticket Black Friday, Cyber Monday thing, which was great in the sense that I learned a lot and that I now have the funnel built so I can just like give the share funnel to my clients. <sighs> but <laughs> a lot of work. I can't say I'm going to be doing that properly again ever. <laughs> what would you say was your biggest lesson from it? Because it was a successful launch. There was a lot going on, a lot of traffic, a lot of different, you know, steps in the funnel. What was the biggest mm. lesson you think you learned from launching it? Hmm. You should have tried starting to launch it a month before and tested it, maybe. Yeah, there is that. Right? Um, but like realistically on an upsell, one click upsell funnel, like just for a little tactical thing make it clear that it's a one click upsell because like uh those numbers that i reported are after refunds but like if it was actual people oh god we would have been like we made a, so many refunds we would have been at what like 80k or something we had to refund a lot of money from people that did it by mistake so that was kind of annoying but again like it's no stress just because it's it's simple to you know, have someone on my team just process a refund um it's still kind of disheartening though. But at, this, at the end of the day, like I think that the biggest lesson was that high ticket wins. Mm -hmm. For us, like, you know, how many customers did we get? We got like a, over 150 new customers, I think, off the top of my head. To do that for our high ticket, we would only need six. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. a lot less work, right? 
a lot less moving parts as well. And also people that buy low ticket are worse customers. Like they're cheaper tracks cheap, right? Like they complain, they want a refund, they moan if their $1 ebook has a tiny full stop, not in the right place. Yes, you heard that right. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Someone's banned from future emails. There you go. <laughs> I don't want you as a customer anymore. Goodbye, right? I That's... know. Just like delete from the Facebook group. Goodbye. <laughs> Yeah, really interesting. So Lauren, what the final thing I want to touch on is that your whole brand is centered around impact. Um, you've been getting amazing momentum, like I said, on the way to getting a two comma club. Um, oh, yeah. Looking into the next 12 months, where do you see the biggest impact and changes that you're going to make moving forward? Hmm. Oh, I like it. Well, firstly, I wish I started using ClickFunnels sooner because I would have been there so soon by now. I'm so annoyed. I like, I, I was always, I was always putting it off because I was like, no, you can't make ClickFunnels websites look good, but damn, you can, you really can. It's I was, easy, right? I'm, I'm so gutted. Um, but anyway, so where I think I'll make the biggest impact moving forward, honestly, I think is empowering people to get their online coaching slash consulting business up and running and profitable, right? With clients. Cause so often people, say, yeah, I'm an online coach or I'm a course creator or whatever. But then you sort of like say to them, okay, cool. You've made this whole program. That's awesome. Like it looks great. It looks cool. Your social media is great, but like, do you have clients? And my sales team will report this to me and like, I'll watch the recordings and they'll say, okay, so how many clients do you have? And they're like, oh yeah, well, I've just been making the program. It's like, how many clients do you have? They have no clients. And it's just so sad because it's not hard to get clients, right? It really isn't. Especially if you do what the what we just laid out, just that it it really is not hard to get clients. But it is. And so here's the thing, right? It's not hard to follow the process, but it is hard work. Yeah, I mean, it's it's effort. Mm-hmm. But it's like, what's more effort stressing about the fact that you have no clients or actually just implementing the process? Either way, the same amount of energy is exerted. One's negative and one's positive. And it's like, yeah, well, are you going to be the type of person who goes with the negative or the positive energy? Like, you know, it's up to you. At the end of the day, you know what you need to do. Just go ahead and do it. And so I'm the type of person who will give people tough love because it's the type of That's what a good coach does. It's what people need, right? And so for me, like, I just want to help people actually get high paying clients because they're the type of clients that show up and do the work. Like I was saying, low ticket clients, like, (laughs) yeah, they are, you just resent them. You don't want to do the work for them. I I used to always say, oh, I, I don't care if someone pays me 200 pounds or two grand, like I'll still put in as much work. And then guess what? I have a friend join for 200 pounds I don't show up for the calls. I don't, I don't care because it's like 200 pounds. I'm just like, here's the money back. Like it's not, and, and I know that might sound kind of like Lauren, you shouldn't say well, no, like pe- that. Pe- it's people true. don't value it. Right. They, they don't show up with the same energy and tenacity. But neither do and- you as the coach. That's what I'm saying. Like they don't show up. That's, that is just that. Sorry for me. Like I didn't even mention that cause it goes without saying to me at this point, but like one thing that I think people don't talk about is the fact that I'm putting my hand up and saying, I don't show up for it even though I love helping people, I would rather make free content than do the work for a low ticket client. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. For me, that's, 
I don't well, know I think why it comes to the point where I think your value is higher. And yeah. I think that's important, right? It's setting that foundation of, you know what? This can change your life. This can massively impact your business. And if you don't see that and respect that, then I'm not going to waste my time with it. And I think yeah. that's absolutely fair to do. Mm, mm, Spend the time yeah. with the people who you want to work with and who want to work with you, right? It's totally true, exactly. And then, when, you know, I, I think just one thing that I'll say is business is sequential. So what happens is we see people like Russell, right? Russell Brunson has tons of low ticket stuff. At the end of the day, you know, his actual business is a software company. That's why he closed his mastermind down, right? But like we see him with these low ticket things and then we're like, oh yeah, I should do what Russell's doing because he's crushing it. But like when you actually look at his business, where is he generating all of his revenue? Like, look at it seriously. Now, look, you might not want to create a software company. So let's go with Steve Larson. I don't even know if Steve has any low ticket. I don't think he does, but let's just say he did. A lot of people would look at that and say, oh, cool. Steve's selling a $39 ebook. So I got to sell that too. But at the end of the day, where's he making his money? He's making his money from his event and from his high ticket. And so you can do low ticket too, but only when you're at, 50k revenue a month maybe something yeah like it's that. interesting because it's about pulling levers right like when you're at the point yeah. where you're maxed out in that area and you need to generate new leads and new customers then a low ticket is perfect for you but you know <laughs> i have a friend who works in steve larson's team and he said it was it was interesting you know they do this huge event and then they launch their program and they generated as much revenue from one high ticket offer as they had for the previous whole year and he said, why are we not doing more of this? And guess what Steve Larson is doing now? He's going around the country and he's speaking at different events and he's selling his high ticket program. Yeah. It's exactly yeah. what he's doing. Do what works. There we go. I love it. I love it. So Lauren, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been awesome to speak to a fellow Brit and to just find out more about the stories. And thank you for being so honest and, and sharing some of that hard stuff that you went through. I, I know a lot of people who are listening are going to really appreciate that and kind of draw similarities. So if somebody wants to find out more about you, they just love listening to Brits on podcasts and they want to get more Lauren in their life, where could they go to find out more? Yeah, absolutely. So I have a podcast called Impact School. That's the one all about online business and specifically the high ticket online coaching slash consulting course, all that stuff. And then as I mentioned, Business Meets Fitness podcast is back if you want fitness tips. But I mean, we'll see how that goes. I mean, I haven't fully committed to it, but I, I like to go all in when I do things. So I'm sure it'll be, I'm sure it'll be good. Um, but yeah, like I'm really posting a lot right now on LinkedIn. It's crazy. I have like, I don't know, 3000 followers on LinkedIn and then 130,000 on Instagram and I get better engagement on LinkedIn. It is insane. Like it's just mad how much it's blowing up on there. So if you want to say hi, connect with me on LinkedIn, just mention that you came from this podcast so that I connect with you back. Cause right now we have like 1,500 connection requests that my poor team is like sifting their way through <laughs> um but yeah we can connect over there and if you're interested in um just finding out more about the program that we offer in itself just send me a message and then i'll take you through the money making messaging method <laughs>
I love it. I love it. And congratulations for saying that without stumbling over it. MMM. I, uh, I definitely struggle with that. So Lauren, <laughs> thank you so much for being on the show. Um, I am more than likely going to see you in Miami at the start of the year. Who knows? Yes, we might we'll have you on a my live podcast. podcast, right? That'll be fun. Yeah. So that's going to be a blast. So other than that, thank you so much for being on. Make sure you guys go and check out Lauren, find out more information about what she's doing, because honestly, she's crushing it. And there's a lot to be learned. All right, guys, see you on the next episode. Bye. Hey everyone, I hope you really enjoyed that episode. As always, if you want to listen to more daily interview content, make sure you subscribe. And here's three ways I can help you in your business for free. One, check out my video on how we're building a pipeline that produces 30 plus prime sales calls every single week using podcast setters and a basic interview funnel. And this is actually how I was able to quit social media forever. You can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash setters. Two, if you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast, we actually want to interview you on one of our top 100 shows. Head to top100interview.com and then three, download our podcast closing formula. It shows you how to create a podcast sales team that books out your sales calendar each week using the podcast closing client attraction method. And you can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash podcast formula. Now at podcastclosing.com, we help six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts create a system for predictable client acquisition without relying on paid advertising or social media by building out podcast sales teams. Now, if you want help turning your podcast into a high ticket client acquisition machine, then book a call with our team to see how we can help. Go to podcastrebels.com forward slash chat. All right, guys, we'll see you in the next interview.